make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Sex for smart people. That means you. Oh, hi, and welcome to Sex for Smart People. I'm Stephanie, and I use pronouns she or they. I'm Aida Mandule, and I use pronouns she or they as well. Hey, and Aida is a human of many talents, sexuality educator, clinician, and activist. And I love, Aida, that you say on your website that your perspective stems from intersectionality and maximizing kindness in the world. Yes, please. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) And um, I'm really grateful that Ida could join us today in the maelstrom of strong opinions on social networks and in the world following David Bowie's death. Um, I was feeling a little bit stuck and not sure how to hold both those who were grieving and those who were feeling complex feelings around the accusation of sexual assault. And um, then, like a breath of fresh air and a gift from the skies, came this article by Ida called Time to Mourn or Call Out, um, which, I just, which is such a full of compassionate perspective, really encouraging us to really hold the nuance and complexity and all hear each other here. And so um, thank you, Ida, for joining us. And would you give a little bit of a frame to just what lit the fire under you to write the article? Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, care about David Bowie in as much as he was this icon that I remember from Labyrinth. (laughs) Um, And I knew a lot about him sort of through those channels and through growing up with his existence. But I wasn't personally like a huge fan or anything. So his death wasn't very personal for me. What was very personal for me, though, was the conversations that my friends and my communities were having. Um, And I was seeing this very interesting sort of two universes at once. And I was seeing some folks who were really focused on how Bowie was this transformative icon, this really important person for trans and queer communities. And then I was also seeing this other world where there was a lot of anger about, you know, why are we mourning this white man who did like really weird racist, like anti-Semitic imagery with his thin white Duke persona? Why are we talking about him? And I don't care that you're mourning because he was not good for my communities. Um, And this is coming mostly from people of color, some of whom were queer, some of whom were not. Um, And so there was this, also this discussion in those POC spaces where the discussions of sexual assault were being brought up. And I was seeing a lot of anger and a lot of sadness, and those were not really intersecting a lot. Um, And as Mm. someone who is parts of both of those communities, I was like, ah, this discussion feels so narrow. And just, it didn't... I wanted to to build a bridge and sort of be able to acknowledge both the human aspects of Bowie and, you know, problematic things he did or may have done, as well as recognize, yeah, this was really important for a lot of people, and we can't, you know, we can't just have one of those at the same time, um, Mm -hmm. because that's just not how the world works. (laughs) Hmm. Yep. And um, so in the article itself, you give perspective for those who are mourning David Bowie and those who are not, and then you go on to, um, to, to talk beyond that about transformative justice and how we can hold this complexity. Um, but um, I really, really love how you phrase such compassionate questions toward those who are not mourning 
David Bowie and those who are, and I'd love to read those and share those. Um, for those who are not mourning David Bowie, you asked, are we critiquing Bowie or his fans? Are we centering the cultural object or the person? Are we critiquing the abuses he committed or the fact that people can have big, complex feelings about it and are mourning his death? Are we critiquing how certain stars get so much praise upon their death and get their sins wiped away, but certain stars don't? Are we critiquing how, due to ignorance and white supremacy, many mourn the loss of a white star and ignore the losses of countless people of color at the hands of police brutality? Are we critiquing people's sadness to get cool points for not feeling anything? Are we assuming people can't feel multiple things at once? Whew, there's a lot there. And for those who are mourning David Bowie, you ask, are we conflating our mourning of Bowie the person with Bowie what the icon and the music meant to us? and thus really mourning a piece of ourselves and our world? Are we mourning in a way that erases all wrongdoing and promotes Bowie as a perfect cyborg of queer and trans visibility? Are we ignoring the impact of race, age, and money in these discussions? Are we mourning in a public forum and keeping eerily silent about the ways in which David Bowie abused his power? Are we mourning for David Bowie and ridiculing or ignoring the mourning for countless lives lost in places like Syria, Afghanistan, and Iraq? <laughs> Deep breath. <laughs> Deep breath, everyone. Um, so beyond those questions, um, will you speak a little bit to what you build to in the article and or what you most care that people would carry away with them after having read it? Yeah, for me, the biggest thing is honestly the ending, um, which is a view that I didn't necessarily have a few years ago. This idea of transformative justice, the idea of restorative justice are are not as widely known as I think would be excellent. Um, and this article for me was a vehicle to, to talk a little bit more about those issues using this as, um, as an example of where it might be important to think about restorative and transformative justice. And part of it is just, we, we need to hold nuance and complexity and we can't just have a super narrow view. Um, the idea of people are, either good or bad, or, or if someone did a... or monster. Exactly. It's like, if they did a bad thing, it means they're terrible. And, you know, part of what the article talks about is transformative justice, but also this idea of radical love. Um, I had a professor at Brown where I did my undergraduate work who wrote an article recently about radical love and what that means to him. Um, and it was kind of mind-blowing how he encapsulated this idea of you know, to make movements flourish and to really change the world, we have to come from a place of love. That does not mean that we will just wipe away people's abuses of power. That does not mean that we have to be best friends with people who've hurt us. That does mean that we have to have a grounding of love in a particular idea of how we want to do this work. Again, outlined further in the article that he wrote and mine, um, but that we can't, you know, we can't just be like, oh, yes, kill all rapists, kill all wrongdoers, kill all people in jail and all criminals, because there's more to it than that. Um, and that's what I just wasn't seeing in the dialogues around David Bowie. And so that's what I wanted to bring to it, that we have to hold both both pieces and also acknowledge that a lot of us are not actually mourning David Bowie as a person. What we're really sad about is the destruction of certain dreams that we had or the, the histories that we have around his character 
characters, not him as a human. So mm-hmm. holding all of those at the same time and giving space for others to feel differently than we do. If we're angry, other people may not be angry and that has to be okay with certain caveats. Like we shouldn't be erasing the conversations around race and sexual abuse in favor of idolizing, but we also should not be doing the opposite. And I feel like it's so much easier to know it's a good idea to or to give lip service to holding extremes and harder to really embody it. And I believe that it's not only necessary to for me and for others to expand all of ourselves in that way, but like the only thing that kind of gives me hope. And, and it seems to, to relate to the idea that, that celebration and critique in general are not mutually exclusive, that there are, I hear that a lot in terms of, of, it's so complex, of course, how we think about gay marriage or trans visibility in the media and um, how I, I believe it's possible to hold those things too with, uh, with great care and, and in, in their full nuance of, of we acknowledge and celebrate steps forward. Or, or like I said at Pride last year, like we, um, let, you know, let's, yes, let's get up and dance in the streets and then let's not sit back down. <laughs> and um, so thank you, Ida, for, for your perspective in, in this case. And what has been the reaction or response that you've gotten to what you wrote? Fascinating. <laughs> um, it's funny because the reason that this article came up, sort of beyond the intellectualized version that I gave you, honestly, I was just feeling angry that so many fellow people of color, many of whom were not queer, were just like pooping on trans and queer communities saying like, I don't care if he was your icon because blah, blah, blah. And just, there was a lot of transphobia and homophobia in some of those discussions. Um, and that made me really sad and angry. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote honestly for that, uh, like to, to bring those two together, but really to talk about this is why David Bowie of color and queer and trans communities that you're a part of. Yes. Yes. And so I was, it's funny that I was initially coming out of a place of anger at the ways that people were not mourning David Bowie Um, Mm. because a lot of the backlash that I've received is from people who are mourning David Bowie. I was like, oh, Oh, that's interesting. So, so the response that I've gotten has been kind of all over the map. I've gotten a lot of people who've thanked me for, you know, writing a nuanced article and excited that someone was tackling that intersection. A lot of really positive commentary. At the same time, I've gotten a lot of negative messages, whether it's um, on my social media, via email, like... What's the crux of the negativity generally? A lot of people are saying, you know, that this is me being opportunistic with an article that I, you know, his body was still warm when you wrote this. How dare you talk Mm -hmm. about the bad things that he may or may not have done? Um, And it's a lot of a lot of people really unwilling to acknowledge what Bowie meant in terms of you know, someone who has a complex past. Um, and a lot of folks were saying, oh, he was cleared of the sexual assault charges. And back in the seventies, you know, it was very normal for these so-called baby groupies to have sex with much older men or with older men sort of that were, um, were legally, that was not necessarily true. Um, so a lot of people are just mad that I was like tarnishing David Bowie's reputation with these allegations. Can I ask you to address those responses? 
those yeah reactions? yeah for so sure the, the, the one that um that how dare you while his body is still warm you're bringing up this complexity what do you say yeah. Some people were also asking, like, why didn't you write about this before? And I was like, well, as I outlined in the article, I literally did not know about this until I wrote the article. So I didn't know about these allegations or anything. Um, what I would say to those folks is, you know, part of the reason the article came out is to actually be able to talk about the importance of grief and the importance of mourning. And now is actually a perfect time to discuss it because that's when it's blowing up in the news and when it's blowing up in social media. So I'm not going to wait six months to address an issue that is now relevant. Um, so in terms of the, the claims of you are just, you know, taking this opportunity for your own agenda. I'm like, I don't have an agenda. I'm not getting paid for any like of this. Responding to what's within yourself and to the people in your life who are having strong reactions. Exactly. And the reason I wrote this was for myself and for my own communities. I didn't expect it to get as big as it did. And I, you know, I was approached by the Huffington Post to see if they, um, to see if I would allow them to post it on the website, but mm -hmm. that involves no money. That just involves exposure for the article. And, you know, I can say a lot about how people should be paid for their work and I have my own, you know, <laughs> problems with Huffington Post's model, but you know, for the people that are like this, you're doing it for your own name and your own life. I was like, nah, I'm not, but you know, you can think whatever you want. Sure. Sure. And to the complexities of, Oh, it was the seventies. He was yeah. part of the charges. And it's true. And I actually address that. You know, honestly, a lot of the critiques, I would just say, if you go back and read the article <laughs> again, <laughs> maybe you'll find your answers. Um, in the article, I do mention, you know, we can say that it was a different time. And it was. We can talk about different legal ramifications. We can talk about the influence of drugs. We can talk about all those things. And it's true. that It was a different time. However... If we're talking about legalities and we're talking about certain responsibilities and things that whether or not um, they were normalized were actually beneficial, that's a different conversation. The other piece there, too, is that there's an entire paragraph talking about the importance of listening to survivors and not overwriting their narratives, um, and people were claiming that I was was calling Lori Maddox a victim, who's the person who claims to have had um, sex with Bowie when she was about 14 or so. Um, and I at no point call her a rape victim. She, you know, she doesn't identify as one. That's her prerogative. What we need to remind ourselves, though, is that someone else in that same position could have experienced trauma and that we cannot just say, oh, yeah, 14-year-olds are, and you know, we're, we're fine. Were the power dynamics acknowledged who knows? Or we can still ask big questions about power dynamics. Exactly. Hmm. Well, and for those who have not yet read the article and are interested in finding it, uh, where can they find it? If they go to my website, um, itamandelay.com, you can also just Google <laughs> David Bowie, time to mourn or call out, and it'll be pretty easy <laughs> to find it that way. Cool. And to learn more about you, itamandelay.com. Yeah. Indeed, that is correct. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Ida. And thank you for the noble work you do in the world. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.
that's it for this brief episode. Uh, we miss Dave, but he will be back again with us next episode, where we will also have with us epic badass and friend of mine, Andy Eisenson, who is an expert in the nuances of consent and healing from sexual trauma, transformative and restorative justice. Amazing human all around. We look forward to digging in with him next time on a full episode. And if you haven't already, you may want to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and all over the places. And you can subscribe on iTunes and Dog Kitcher and now Stitcher as well. Dog Kitcher, Dog Catcher and now Stitcher as well. And um, really, 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 as I always say, but can't possibly say enough, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being in conversation with us here. Let's all amplify each other's voices and continue widening all of these conversations. See you next time. Thank you.